PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. Welcome to PTJ's The Bottom Line for April 2009. I'm Donovan Stutel along with Dave Corvoisier. Bottom Lines translate the findings of selected research articles for clinical practice. Bottom Lines are not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the original articles. The Bottom Lines for the April 2009 issue of PTJ were written by Dr. Eric K. Robertson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Georgia. Our first bottom line summarizes falls in the Medicare population. Incidents, Associated Factors, and Impact on Healthcare by Dr. Anne Shumway-Cook, Dr. Marcia Seal, Dr. Jean Hoffman, Dr. Brian Dudgeon, Dr. Catherine Yorkston, and Dr. Leighton Chan. What problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? Falls represent a major health problem in the elderly population, but the current literature has not examined the incidence of falls in the general population or in the Medicare population. Medicare is the largest health insurance program in the United States, so this information could help close a large gap in present knowledge about the impact of falls. In addition to examining the incidence of falls in the Medicare population, the investigators wanted to examine the factors related to medically injurious and recurrent falls, as well as to examine healthcare provider response to falls and aggregate health costs as a function of fall status. What data were used in this study? Data were collected from more than 12,600 Medicare beneficiaries who received a survey via a multi-stage stratified sampling procedure that was designed to provide a representative sample of the entire population of Medicare beneficiaries. What new information does this study offer? The results of this study support previous data that falls are common. They occurred in 22% of this sample and that falls often are associated with increased healthcare utilization costs. It was estimated that in 2002, 3.7 million people had a single fall, and an additional 3.1 million people had recurrent falls, with 2.2 million people reporting a fall-related injury. 48% of Medicare beneficiaries who had a fall discussed the fall with a healthcare provider, and 60% of those individuals reported receiving information or guidance on fall prevention. The study identifies sociodemographic factors associated with increased likelihood of recurrent and injurious falls. What new information does this study offer for patients? This study provides information that falls are common in older persons and often result in injuries and higher health care costs. It is critical that healthcare providers understand as much as possible about falls as they work to prevent them. This study suggests that healthcare providers might be missing chances to help prevent falls and that patients might not be reporting all falls. The study also suggests that people should report falling to a healthcare provider and should make sure that they know how to reduce their risk for falling. How did the researchers go about the study? A six-question supplement that addressed issues related to falls was added to the 2002 Medicare Current Beneficiary Survey, the MCBS. The MCBS is a longitudinal, ongoing survey sponsored by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The survey examined self-reported factors related to falls, including incidents, provider response, and injuries related to falls in the previous 12 months. 
Cost data were obtained from Medicare claims summary data for 2002. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? This information provides a current estimate of the rate and impact of falls in the Medicare population, as well as information about provider response to falls. This study suggests that healthcare providers might be missing opportunities to provide fall prevention services to older people and that not all falls are reported. Physical therapists can serve a primary role in identifying fallers by routinely asking older individuals about their fall history and by performing screening examinations in those who may be at risk for falls. Given evidence supporting the efficacy of fall prevention programs, the results from this study may signal an opportunity for physical therapists to have a beneficial impact on this population and on healthcare utilization costs. What are the limitations of the study and what further research is needed? This study provides self-reported data from one year. A recall period of 12 months might have resulted in an under-reporting of falls. Furthermore, falls were not specifically defined, and provider response to falls was measured indirectly. Because the data were from a single year, the logistic regression models that were used could not determine risk, only association. Future research should examine specific risk factors related to falls factors affecting the reporting of falls, provider response to falls, and more specific data about costs from injuries sustained in falls. Our last bottom line summarizes lengthening of the pectoralis minor muscle during passive shoulder motions and stretching techniques, a cadaveric biomechanical study by Dr. Takeyuki Muraki, Dr. Mitsuhiro Aoki, Tomoki Izumi, Misaki Fuji, Egi Hidaka, and Dr. Shigenori Miyamoto. What problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? The researchers examined the effects of different positions and stretches on the length of the pectoralis minor muscle. The pectoralis minor muscle is an important contributor to normal scapular motion. Tightness of this muscle can result in altered scapular and glenohumeral kinematics, as well as subsequent shoulder dysfunction. No previous studies have determined how much specific stretches lengthen this muscle or how the muscle responds to different shoulder movements. What data were used in this study? Nine fresh transthoracic cadaver specimens were used in this study. What new information does this study offer? Significant lengthening of the pectoralis minor muscle was observed with all shoulder motions. The stretch that included scapular retraction at 30 degrees of flexion produced the most lengthening of the pectoralis minor muscle and was determined to be the optimal stretch for this muscle. Compared with other motions, the passive motions of flexion and scaption to 150 degrees both caused the maximal lengthening of the pectoralis minor muscle. What new information does this study offer for patients? The results of this study outline the importance of achieving normal lengthening of the pectoralis minor muscle for patients with postural or shoulder dysfunction. The researchers suggest an optimal technique for this muscle that can achieve lengthening necessary for normal motion. Physical therapists can use this information to select the best stretches and motions for this muscle in their patients. How did the researchers go about this study? The cadaver specimens were secured in an upright position and motion sensors were placed into the pectoralis minor muscle, which was exposed via dissection. 
Researchers then measured the length changes in the pectoralis minor muscle with three shoulder motions. Flexion at 150 degrees, scaption at 150 degrees, and glenohumeral external rotation at 90 degrees of abduction. And with three stretches, retraction without shoulder flexion, retraction at 30 degrees of flexion, and horizontal abduction at 90 degrees of shoulder abduction. Lengthening ratios were determined for data analysis. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? This information suggests an optimal manner to stretch and lengthen the pectoralis minor muscle and provides an anatomical and biomechanical rationale for choosing the appropriate stretching techniques. Furthermore, the results outline the importance of the pectoralis minor muscle as a factor in normal shoulder motion. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? Limitations of this study include the fact that the specimens were frozen and then thawed and had the pectoralis major and clavipectoral fascia removed so they might represent motion differently from the way it occurs in vivo. Future studies should assess the effectiveness of these motions and stretches in vivo and on clinical outcomes. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.